Hello and welcome to the Leaders in Tech and e-commerce podcast. I am your host, Andre Palamario, and I am the APEC Director for Elkut Global Executive Search. Our mission is to connect the tech in supply chain and e-commerce ecosystem in Asia and globally by bringing forward some of the most interesting stories about success and failure from leaders in the industry. It is great to have with us today Jonathan Savoie, the CEO and co-founder of Quinkus. Jonathan grew up in Belgium and Luxembourg and attended colleges in London and the USA. In college, he studied engineering and economics. After graduating at 20 with a master's degree, he pursued his PhD and decided to drop out at 21 to make some global investments and build startups. In 2014, he founded Quinkers together with his co-founder and you will hear more about the story so far and how they are doing in the next minutes. Please enjoy. Hi, Jonathan. It's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Hi, Andre. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we're talking a bit just before pressing record, but I wanted to hear a bit more about your backstory because I know you grew up in Belgium, Luxembourg. You have a very interesting backstory. So tell us a bit about that and how did it all end up with creating Quinkus? Sure. Yeah, so I grew up on both sides of the Atlantic and also spent a significant amount of time of my time in, in Belgium and Luxembourg. And then spend up, ended up doing college and engineering and economics, both in the UK and US, which was a, a good mix or a good start rather for, for solving some of the problems that we're, we're working on right now. But that's, it, it certainly has shaped me to become very multicultural, I have to say. And Quinkus, how, how did that be the, the story? How, how has it been created and, and everything? Ah, the interesting part. Yeah, so I met our co-founder, Katerina, while we were both doing our PhDs at INSEAD. And, you know, we, we figured that, that our PhDs were, were a little bit the, too theoretical, so we dropped out. And we built out an initial engineering team in, in, in London and figured that, you know, logistics was just a really interesting niche to focus on. This was also 2015. This was where, you know, an Uberized form of, of, uh, of logistics was very sexy. So we set out to Brazil, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture or anything. And, and we set up shop and we essentially said, okay, we're going to solve the mid and last mile problem in Brazil. We had our own trucks, our own vehicles, our own warehouses and built that out, built out the technology and the backend to, to solve that. Now, Brazil was having their own economic struggles and, and we worked through that. But what we also realized at the same time was that the existing logistics providers that were both in Brazil as well as globally, you know, some of the big brand names were also, well, didn't actually have some of the technology that we had built in Brazil to support our own operations. So we pivoted out to become an enterprise story and an enterprise SaaS story. And, and now we're an operating system for logistics. And now you're present in more than a, or you do business with partners of more than 150 countries did, did i read that correctly or is it even I, more I, now? I wish it was 150 countries uh so uh, <laughs> our we support operations in about 85 i believe right now mm. we have 14 offices in, in different countries so 14 different regional offices and then two headquarters between singapore and toronto I mean, it's, it's just going up and up and up from, from what you told me. And now, Quinkus, what would you say is the big next milestone? How do you see that? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. We have a dedicated research team that is full of data scientists and really looking at, and as well as a product team that looks at the next step. And, you know, the recent growth in computing power has just been incredible, right? Because we grab so much data 
from both our own customers as well as the environment that we can really help our customers by applying some of the newer technologies such as reinforcement learning. And, and I think that's, you know, we're, we're working on some of the toughest problems in the industry in terms of optimization, in terms of visibility, really trying to grab all of that data and, and then providing that visibility of, you know, where's my shipment or how do I optimize a shipment going from San Francisco to Singapore? And, you know, our recent backers at, at Boeing and GGV and up partners, they're really pushing us to, to look beyond, you know, just the, the kind of niche of the mid and last mile that we were in looking at the full end to end. So that, that's really what we've been, been focusing on. And, and I think that's going to come to fruition really in the next month or two. We've revamped the entire way of how we're selling the company and selling our product and become a, a lot more of a solutionized selling and, and giving our customers a solution. So, so I think that's really exciting to, to see coming up in the next two months. And you did mention a key word there, which is visibility. And everybody has a different understanding, different definition. Right. And now with the pandemic and everything that's happening with all the disruptions, I mean, it's a big word on everybody's mouth. But I'm wondering, how is Quincus different? And how are you treating, what's, what's your angle when it comes to visibility? And maybe mm. compared to the other players who are trying to solve similar issues. Right. You know, we're, we're one of the only providers and, and software providers that actually work with the operators, right? Our customers are the 3PLs, are the airlines, are the shipping liners. And, you know, unlike a, you know, Product 44 or Four Kites, I think we're, we're really looking at, okay, how do we provide those guys, the guys who are moving the shipment from A to B with an actual product and, and hands-on and very much the operations, you know, the guys who are scanning an item in or, you know, in a warehouse or the guys that are throwing shipments onto an aircraft scanning into ULDs, you know, I, I think we provide these underground technologies that allow us to kind of grab the actual data of the actual operations and then bring all of this up into, into pretty dashboards um, for our customers. And I think that's the biggest difference. And, and then on top of that, we also track satellite data in terms of flights and shipping liners and rail, et cetera. So I think that's, that is really the biggest difference because if you look at a lot of these providers, they usually sit on top of, you know, TMS softwares and try and plug in and get some of the data out. But a lot of the data is sketchy. A lot of that data is still not very operational. You know, we, we've really stuck our hand in there and said, okay, how do we get the user to use our system so that we, that we can provide the best and the most accurate data? Mm-hmm. And now if we were to go into an example, if we may maybe... You tell us a bit more of a specific client or you don't have to share names, of course, but who has seen some excellent results, right? After they improve their supply chain with your solution, maybe you can tell us a story. That yeah. You know, some of our customers are, are among the largest express providers in the world. And before we came in, you know, they were handling, for instance, their mid-mile in basically manually you know, on top of a, you know, a fancy Excel sheet with some VBA macro. Mm-hmm. You know, a very common scenario in the industry, as, as you know, we gave them, you know, some of our modules, such as shipment visibility and the optimization systems that we have. And they started instantly seeing, you know, results in the different geos that, that they started deploying this. And some of these customers are looking at 25, 30% improvement in terms of bottom line cost. So, you know, you, the moment that you see these, these technologies being implemented, the moment you, that you get to train the users, which is obviously critical then you see this, this real value coming up. And, and we pride ourselves on, on things like customer service and, and training the users and helping, helping our customers rather than just, here's a product. And I think that's, you know, that's been really successful for us. 
25 to 30 percent improvement that that can be uh, millions for a global player and, it is millions yes yeah, it is yeah, and when you're thinking about implementation, because everybody, uh, you know, bigger companies, bigger solutions usually need bigger times <laughs> for implementation and, and training. How, how does that work for Quinkus? Right. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a sneak preview in, in how we're pivoting, I guess, the, the selling side or, or the way that we, we are selling the company. But we have four industry solutions, and each of them are, are very focused on, on different parts of the industry and supply chains. But within this, we still have our modules. We still have our own operating system that, that we use. And the benefit of this is that it's very modular, right? You can basically, or, or rather we as a team, you know, we fit the problem and, and we fit the solutions to the problem. And, and kind of because of this flexible nature, because of our open API systems, you know, we don't have to deploy everything. We don't have to necessarily do complex integrations. And we're able to really attack the problem hands-on. This lowers implementation fees, it accelerates deployments, and that's really how we've gone about it. We've made the platform as flexible as possible. You can design your own workflows, you can design your things like your own milestones and all of that. And you can use you know, your existing technologies as well. We can sit on top of it or we can replace it. That kind of flexibility is, I believe, unseen in the industry. And that allows us to, you know, barely charge any implementation fees and really, you know, give our customers immediate value from the get-go. It sounds like it's an almost plug and play with, with a bit of a training in the middle that you make sure that the users understand what they have to do. That's right. The, the reality is obviously, you know, sometimes a little bit different because some of these customers are, you know, do you have their legacy systems and that's okay. But I, I think we do do a good job of, of trying to mitigate the risks of, you know, an expensive deployment kind of thing, you know, and, and work with our customers to, to do it step by step and, and scale up. And now in the last, I mean, it's, it's been, what, two years plus of pandemic, maybe more, and then everything, uh, different events disrupting logistics and, and supply chain. Has this, I'm sure it has impacted your clients, but have you seen any trends and have you, have you seen any trends in clients coming to, to you for different type of solutions with different type of problems caused by everything that's happening globally? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think visibility is, is probably one of the biggest ones, right? And, and, you know, this isn't driven by the three PLs who are our customers, right? This is driven by you and I as end consumers who then basically say, hey, I want to know where my package is or... You know, I, I want to be able to kind of figure out where my GoPro is or, or whatever it is, right? And I think that's, that's really what's driving these three PLs. Um, there are some interesting moves, though. I, I think uh, there's some recent news about some of the larger express providers, you know, cutting some access to, to technology providers in terms of getting visibility out. You know, we're in a unique position because we actually help these, these providers at the same time get the visibility so I, I think th these are the biggest problems that, that they're suffering and, and trying to deploy with. That's number one. Number two is probably somewhat kind of the end-to-end -end management of a shipment. I think we've seen, you know, blockages in, in ports. We've seen air freight skyrockets. And, and I think a lot of that is, is just a capacity problem in many ways, right? And for us, it's really about, okay, how can we then still manage the shipment from an end-to-end -end piece without getting expensive freight forwarding or, you know, getting other providers involved or getting, you know, exception handling involved. I think we try and make that, that journey as easy as possible with our 3PLs and our customers. And, and I think that's, that's been some of the, the key problem statements that's been driving it. Mm. 
and and yeah, lastly though uh, sorry just to interrupt the last part is probably just digitalization you know i think COVID has helped us realize that we all need to start working in the digital world you know and, and we were forced to all sit in our homes for a couple of months during the pandemic same for the logistics providers right they were also forced to do this except if you were actually driving stuff around but still, right? The the guys who were operating and managing the end-to-end pieces, it all needed to become cloud-based. It all needed to become visible from your home, and and that's really what's been driving a lot of the need as well. Hmm. I mean, it's uh, of course it's sad to to see all those disruptions and a lot of people's life in a way are impacted. But that's where the solution <laughs> solution like you come in and, and help it, right? Jonathan, I wanted to ask a bit more about the, the company internally in a way and your vision connected to the company. So just about the culture, right? And I know as a CEO, you have to keep an eye on the external environment, one eye on the internal company environment. How do you define a good company culture and how maybe how is this transitioning to what's happening with, with the Quinkus culture? Mm. You know, at the end of the day, we're a technology company, right? And and our biggest investment and our biggest, you know, pool of resources is our people. And it is then really about, you know, how do we get people to work together? You know, I think what we've been actually really, really great at is building a culture where people are not afraid to innovate, are not afraid to collaborate. You know, it's really hard because we have, and I saw statistics, I think we have 38 different nationalities working for us right now, you know, even though we're in 14 regional offices. So, so that's a, that's quite a, quite a decent group of different nationalities and, and cultures. And how do you get them to work together? Right. Because we have engineering teams that span eight, nine time zones. We have, you know, product teams that are pretty much the same marketing teams that cross 12 sales teams that cross 17 time zones. So the question is then, okay, well, how do you get them to work together? How do you get them to be open? we've been able to build that, you know, we've been able to build this kind of open and mixed culture of different backgrounds, openness as encouraged politics or, or lack of even speaking up is really not tolerated. You know, we've been very aggressive on this. I think we've been very aggressive on, on the latter, which has helped the former of the openness. And, and I think people are now open to each other and, and working together with each other. You know, it sounds like a perfect world. It's not, I think we still, we're still learning on, on how to do it better. But that, that's really what's been, been driving a lot of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to, to kind of work also with a co-founder and, and myself who are also, in, you know, kind of in tune and, and very multicultural to begin with. So that's definitely helped grow us globally. And I, I want to be able to maintain that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is connected to the next, next question about building your own executive team and how you... What's your philosophy when you're interviewing, right? Because I assume the collaboration part is an important element to it. But maybe you tell me more. How, how do you interview when recruiting, with, when recruiting for your leadership team? You know, I, I think what we look for is people who are driven, are, are ex- driven excited, really about innovating, are, are not afraid to mistakes, to make mistakes, sorry, and, and then just iterate, right? We... We encourage mistakes, obviously not too much, but we encourage mistakes in the sense that we want people to learn and we're all learning together and that's totally okay. You don't have to be perfect. And it takes a very specific type of executive to be able to to manage that and, and to work through that, not just alone, but also be able to lead his team with that. 
you know, I, I think humbleness is probably also a really important factor. I find this really interesting, but, you know, some of the most, the people that I like to work with the most are some of our most junior people because they get to tell us about, you know, what are they facing on a day-to-day basis? What are they hearing from customers or what are their, you know, struggles in engineering or in product? You know, and I think as an executive, we really need to be open to that because sometimes we are in an ivory tower and it's terrible, even as a you know, relatively small organization still in, in aggressive growth mode. Those are the type of executives that, that are willing to do that, that we want in our team. Mm. I mean, that's quite inspiring in a way, right? I mean, you're not huge at the moment, but you're getting bigger and bigger probably in the hundreds soon, now you're 200, maybe last end of the year will be 400 and so on. Yeah, and your uh, if one of your priorities is to speak with, with the junior and, and the front facing or the client face, I mean, that's not a lot of CEOs think like that. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and it's important, yeah. not just for me, but for the whole team, right? Yeah, I, exactly. I encourage this with the whole team. You know, last week I was sitting with, you know, some, some of our engineers who, who were visiting us in Singapore and, you know, they gave us such insightful information, you know, of what are their day-to-day struggles, right? And, and it's kind of just giving them that forum of, okay, you know, we've now talked about it. Great. Now let's go and innovate on that. You know, let's make this better because we're not perfect, right? And, and we just need people like that to be able to, to open that channel up and then say, and then and empower it and empower our people and our teams to say, you know, let's, let's go conquer this. And, and I think that's really important in any leader that we have in any function, whether it's engineering, whether it's, you know, in our sales team, I think that's really, really important. Mm. As we are getting closer to, to our end of the discussion, I wanted to ask you a bit of a more <laughs> personal question, but what keeps you up at night when connecting or thinking about the future of Quincus? And what gets you up in the morning full of energy? Maybe you can connect them both. Mm. I think what, what keeps me up at night is, is how we support our customers better. You know, how do we do better customer service? Or how do we give them a better product? Or how do we accelerate our deployments with them? You know, how do we expand the scope? I, I think that these are questions that, 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 are, are, that need answering that, that for us are really important, you know, not just commercially, but I think really to add value. That's, that's what keeps me up. What excites me in the morning is our people, is our team. You know, I think we have a, built a phenomenal team who probably, well, does not probably, thinks about the same things. You know, when I talk to some of our, our team members, you know, even some of our engineers or, or some of our salespeople, they're like, you know, we're thinking about this customer. We really like XYZ customer. We really want to do a good job on this. And, and they're really thinking about this, right? And then I get up in the morning and think about this. It's like, that's phenomenal, right? How, like, how passionate have we gotten our team about our customers? That's great, right? And, and you know, they wake up with the same mentality in the morning and, and just go and tackle it. I think that's, that's what wakes me up every day. That's, that's great to hear. And as the, the last question, uh, Jonathan, maybe tell me, What's the long-term game? What's, what's your vision? Maybe, I don't know, if five or 10 years down the line, where do you see Quincus growing, becoming? What's your vision? Mm. You know, a lot of what we spend our time thinking on is how we make logistics better and how we make supply chains better. I think it really is about building this interconnectivity of network between the three PLs. You know, what we still see is that 
every single provider is very, very isolated, even though logistics is very collaborative, right? If, if you think about sending something internationally, it's going to be one provider that does it in one country, then it's going to be some airline that might connect the two or some shipping liner, and then it might be some other provider that does it in another country. You know, they all work together, but they all work very independently. None of them are connected. A lot of what I think we should be focusing on as an industry, as, as well as ourselves, is, is, is driving that connectiveness and, and accelerating that. I think that's, that's number one. Number two is, you know, really doubling down on, on some of the research that we've done in, in reinforcement learning and, and being able to, to execute on, on some of the newer technologies to drive optimization, to drive better visibility, you know, to, to solve this kind of end consumer problem that we're having of, you know, I don't have my package fast enough, or, you know, I, I, want, I want to know where, where my package is. Awesome. Jonathan, it was a pleasure to, to talk with you and all the best for Quinkus. I'm sure we'll hear more about the, you and the team in the, in the future. Likewise. Thanks so much, Andre. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For all the show notes and information discussed in the episode, please follow elkatglobal.com slash podcast. Also, if you found this interesting, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or one of the podcast platforms. We are looking forward to your feedback.